Red die of death. Eighteen. The straight roll. Welcome to Gaming NBS Tabletop RPG Podcast. This is Sean coming to you Monday, September 16th, 2019. This is Bratch. I'm with Sean on that same day. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> it's my buddy Jeff at the beginning again. I like it. I don't know what that was, that's, but that's I like what it. he does when he rolls dice, man. I love it. <laughs> he just clatter, 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 clatter. I love that guy. <laughs> I gotta run a game with him. Yeah, with you on the other side of the screen. He may be a game hole con. That'd be awesome. I'd love he to meet him. He may be a game hole con. Hopefully, I can get him to game hole con and not in the Darth Vader outfit. But we'll see. Well, if we do, we'll unmask him. Well, yes, of course. Yeah. Awesome. 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 Yeah. So, how was your weekend, man? Uh, any ga- I, any gaming? Any cool stuff? I did not game. I did clean out some of my games. I saw that post on Twitter's. Yeah, you I literally a, have a like box of stuff. Three or four boxes. So yeah, people are yelling at me because I'm getting rid of one game. What's water slack. deep? How Lord's could water. you? And that, I love that's, that's wa- my best way. That's my best way in plate impression. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I love Lords of Waterdeep. It's one of my favorite board games, but I never, I never play these things, so they gotta go. They gotta go. Look at it this way, ladies and gentlemen. If you're not playing a game, okay, you can keep it. That's cool. That's your prerogative. But at the same time, think about somebody else that could play that game. I think it's a good approach. Now, I I was thinking about this. I saw your post. And I thought, like, because you said I'm hoarding. God damn it, that's what I'm doing. I look at a guy like Alex Cameron, right? He has all this stuff. Oh my god, that is a collection, though. He he's purposely got a collection. Is, he's yeah. purposely collecting. I have my Iron Crown Enterprises Middle Earth role playing stuff. I am collecting that. I am collecting a couple different things. I've actually, because of the fact, after talking to Alex about collecting, God knows how many episodes back that was, I came home and realized I had a ton of shit that I really wasn't collecting. I had a old box set of Pendragon. I'm like, I don't know. No, I have the newer version. If I played Pendragon, I'd play. This version of Pendragon, I do not need this. I'm going to sell this near mint condition. It was actually the inside was mint. The box had a slight scratch on it. Anyway, get rid of that thing. Hey, I'm going to get rid of this. I had a copy of Dungeon World hardcover. I sent it to Phil Vecchione. Here you go, babe. You need this. Take it. Right? I don't. <clears throat> I started looking at it like, what am I really collecting? Oh, this is what I'm collecting. Because Alex said to us, you know, if you're a real, I'll paraphrase, but basically a real collector has kind of a beginning and an end game. I will have all of X. I will have all of Y. Depending what you have from funding and space capacity, could be a lot of stuff, right? But you could go crazy and have a whole bunch of stuff, and then you do fall into what Sean would say, look like you're hoarding a bunch of crap you're never going to use there. (laughs) I'm contemplating. Okay, I haven't made the leap yet, and I grew, I kind of drew a line, but I'm actually contemplating looking at my first edition AD&D in the original books that I bought mm-hmm. and getting rid of them. Which, if, you, if you are, let me know. Okay. Well, that's fine. Be, because, and it's got my, you know, 13 year old handwriting in it. Don't and care. Here, and here's the reason though. Here's the reason why. So people are like, Oh my God, are you crazy? But is, this is what I yeah. was going to say, but, but this is the way I'm kind of looking at it is 
if I if I don't play the game, that's one thing, right? So I don't play first edition AD and E. Will I? Who the hell knows? The last time I did it was at Gary Khan. Chad Parrish ran a game, and the only reason I played it was because I signed up for the game. Mm-hmm. So I am not playing AD and D. If and you played it that, at a con, you don't need to own the books. You show up and play. Right. Ding. And I bought the books on PDF. So when I was sitting at the table and went, oh shit, I need to look up the uh, spells. The electronic I just copy. Got the first edition AD and D PDF, which is now available. Correct. Yep. Or I buy Azric, whatever. But regardless, is here's the thing: it, if I get rid of them, they don't erase the memories I had when I was thirteen. Oh, that's totally, that's absolutely legit. Absolutely legit. So I would just assume like Delta Green when I just bought the box set, right? Yep. I physically had no place to put that thing, like on a shelf. Oh, because yeah, you're full. I have a cabinet and it's full. Like, yes. Could I throw that upstairs on another shelf somewhere? Of course. I've actually, so I still play first edition AD&D often enough that warrants sure. having multiple sets of the rule books because I hand them out at the table. So that's why I'd be interested. I am actually looking at, I may have to get a hold of Papa Swick because Joe had, I think he may have some gaps in his vampire, the masquerade. I'm actually thinking about hacking through my collection because a lot of first, second, you know, the old vampire, the masquerade books. I'm like, I'm never going to play this again. I've drugged them around from house to house, apartment to apartment over the years because of the nostalgia and the fact that it was really cool and so on. But I'm like, huh, what of these do I need to have? And will I ever, ever play this again? And even if I were to dig it up and say, wow, this game was a lot of fun. We should try this. Do I even fucking care? Would I try this game? I don't know. So, yeah, I'm looking at much the same. I don't know if there's any value in them or if it'd be like, hey, somebody want this, take it. But point being. Right. I'm, uh, I'm coming around to your way of thinking. I even look, you gave me the Midgard setting. I started looking through it. I'm like, you know what? I may give this to Connor or AJ because they're new gamers. They love 5e. And they're right in it, and it's boom. There's a thing, man. Whack. They could have that. Now, granted, they each have a copy of Avalon because, hey, they're my kids. But if they want a Midgard setting, I've got that. Might not be a bad idea. You know, passing it on to somebody who I know is going to get some use out of it. I mean, to each their own, but mm-hmm. that is the mentality and the frame of mind. And, and this isn't just me going through my RPG stuff. It, there's other things I'm trying to get rid of, too. Like, I don't need, you know... I find myself going into my closet and looking at shirts that have been there for two years. I had to fill out a form years. to see if I could still be his friend. It was pretty. It's, he's going through a very intense. Yeah, I'm like, well, do I phase right do now. I use Brett? Do I interface with him? Well, more I than, do. More, I do only, on a weekly only, basis. Only weekly, and I sit the only weekly column. <laughs> I'm on the edge, people. I'm on the edge. They're well, right. the thing is, is that I've got. Uh, Brett, I interact with more than some shirts that I own. So the shirts <laughs> got to get chucked, right? So I actually did a t-shirt page not that long ago with really, what the fuck do I have this for? I mean, I got dress shirts. Maybe they don't fit, you know, just a bunch of crap. I just need to just, and it's not, I call it downsizing, whatever. I don't know, but it's just something where it's like, I don't, why is, why do I have this freaking thing? Why? Yeah, no, I, it's got to go. It's no. been here. I've never touched it in five years. It's got to go. It's got to go. Got to go. Got to go. Got to go. You get in a mood. You get in a roll. Yeah, yeah I get it. Jesus. Anyways. Well, I'll tell you, my weekend, I was up in the, up at my family's cabin in Upper Peninsula, Michigan, uh, doing some deer hunting with my youngest son. Did he, he see op- any? He did. He saw, we had a great opportunity, but he was, um, <laughs> he was not sure of the shot. So he, he wasn't for, positive. He had, the, he had the gun up ready to go. 
Now, what Sean is alluding to is my son has had <laughs> trouble in the woods actually seeing the deer. Right. It dawned that's on why me. I, that's why I bring this up because it was probably a year ago. Oh, it was a year ago when he saw yeah. a big damn buck, a huge monster, and he like couldn't see it. I'm like, how the hell can you not see it? It dawned on me after the fact. I'm like, oh, he's looking for a certain color when the deer in the woods in dappled light or overcast, slightly drizzly, is gray or sometimes dark gray. They blend in really well. Right. He's looking for this like deer brown thing to like stand out and say, Hi, I'm a deer. It didn't happen. This one he saw the doe, it was perfect. He could have if it had been me, it would be a dead animal. But he was unsure of the shot and he didn't take it. He was upset afterwards because he thought I'd be mad. I said, dude, that's the most adult thing that you could have done. You were unsure of your shot, and uh, what did I teach you? Well, if I'm not sure, I shouldn't shoot. Bingo. Bravo. Proud of you, kid. That's exactly what you're supposed to do. Not supposed to wing in a prayer out there. Want to be humane, do the thing. So that was cool. So I didn't get any gaming in, but it was um, in the process. I was up in uh, the UP, and my, both my parents were up there. My mother is the one who got me into reading The Hobbit. I was one of the first people I ever ran games for. And Asia brought a copy of my book to show Grandma. And that was awesome to see my my mother gushing about the fact that I wrote a book. She thought that was the coolest thing in the world. Well, rightfully yeah. so. Yeah. So I got I got I got lots of mama hugs. That was neat. <laughs> so you should give good. her copies and have her take it to the the local meetups and <laughs> shop it around. Like, look what my son did. Yeah. Want to buy a copy? My mother has early Alzheimer's. It, it's might not. <laughs> it's not a good idea to give her extra. Speaking of uh, giving people clutter, that wouldn't. It's, I appreciate the fact that she loves it. Like, yes, of course. All right. So, hey, man, let's do a show here. Let's talk. What do we got? Announcements. You did. Did you do your unboxing? The Master Nile Tip. I did. Well, I did, but I I didn't edit the first. There's a part of the beginning where it's like, oh, I needed to take that out. And I didn't. And it's a huge file to render. So I uploaded it to YouTube, and I think I did it okay within YouTube, but I don't know if it's been updated. So it should be, but I got to check to see if the link actually works. Does the link work? Let me check. Yeah. And so I did an unboxing of the Massive Hour Lethotep uh, Gamer Prop Set by the HP Lovecraft Society. Um, I know there's other ones that are out there, but I did this one, um, and it was pretty interesting. Not a lot of... Um, it's running. I see it. Yeah. Is it start off with me talking right away? Um, I've got it muted, so I don't hear okay, what's happening. That's fine. But it's 22 point yeah, it's five, a, yeah, 22, it's 22 minutes. minutes. But I, there's a lot of shit in there, dude. For there what you is said. a lot of stuff in there. And and frankly, it's probably a little redundant. Like, okay, how many pieces of paper could you possibly look at? But anyways, it is pretty crazy. I got to get that to the table tomorrow night, actually. Very cool. Yeah. I did also an unboxing, which will be going up relatively soon, of the Savage Worlds Adventurers Edition. Um, I get what is it? The um, shoot, it's a box, kind of the, the the big box. I don't know what it's called, but I got the. I mean, I went on a Kickstarter and got all kinds of stuff, but it's the um, box with all the bennies, the action deck. Um, bookmarks, the, uh, GM screen, the adventure cool creation guide. So I'll do that. That's already, I kind of filmed it and I'll upload that and everybody can take a look at it and see what comes in that thing. Sweet. Yes. I should call out that GameholeCon, their, their badge pre-reg ends October 1st. 
So <clears throat> if you're going to get in on that, you need to get that done because today is recording of September 16th. You got less than less than a month to get your badges. Otherwise, at the door and at the door prices tend to be a wee bit higher, people. So get her done. And speaking of, of course, evercon.org, get your early badges there. And it's, again, a discounted rate. So that's always handy. Cool, man. I like the I like those unboxings. Those are kind of cool. I should do one. I just keep I keep saying I'm going to do one because I have the uh, DCC Lankmar box set. I should do that. And I got the rest of I got the second box that came. I, f I completely forgot that I also got a bunch of extra modules. So this other box was up the other day. I'm like, holy fuck, these are pretty cool. So yeah, I just got to do it. I'm a slack ass, so I just need to make it happen. If you Maybe do this. it, send it over, and I'll put it on our YouTube. Yeah, well, that's what I would do. Yeah. I don't know what the hell to do with it. Like, yeah. oh look, I made a video, Sean, make magic. I got nothing. So if I'm not sitting in a tree this weekend, because our tree season opens, um, yeah. I'll do that instead. Sounds like a plan. Cool, cool, cool. Cool, cool. All, All right. right, let's random encounters. Random encounters. All right. Random encounter. Voicemails, emails, comments from social media. Short one to kick off things. Yeah, John M. wrote in and said, Long time listener here. I really enjoy your podcast. However, Brett, you ruined me forever. No, I must play Tomb of Horrors in space. So, John, I made that up when I said that. Yeah. And after the fact, I wrote down a note, Tomb of Horrors in space. And I have I have a note of like, what system, how do I want to run this? Where am I going to do it? What system will I use? Yeah, I kind of want to do that now. It, it's so Space Hulky. I'm tempted to do it as a Space Hulk game. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, thank you, John. And I it doesn't need to make sense. No, it doesn't, because it's fucking two mores, man. <laughs> Y'all gonna die. <laughs> Over to you, sir. Next. All right. Jason from the cities responds to the Brett Meister. Longer email this time. Feel free to paraphrase. Yeah, we don't paraphrase around here, Jason. So it's you all better, verbatim. You, you better write good. As a lawyer, he should appreciate that. You should, Absolutely. In your last episode, Brett referenced my running The Lost City at Gamehole Con and that some people were wondering how to run longer mods in a convention setting. I also ran Isle of Dread for a convention slot for adults and kids, and I felt it was similarly successful. So in case it's helpful, here's my advice for running larger modules in a limited time slot. First, accept the fact the group will not explore the entirety of the module. I tell my players that at the start of the game, in case somebody wants to bail, it hasn't happened yet. The bailing part, I'm guessing. Second, pick some climatic points in the adventure to provide a satisfactory conclusion. The group should be heading towards one of those by the third hour. Older school mods tend to have many such opportunities as opposed to new adventures that focus on a final set piece battle with the BBEG. Third, provide liberal access to information. NPCs should be forthcoming with details and or side quests so that the PCs have a goal. When in doubt, they find a treasure map left by previous explorers. Whether it actually leads to treasure is less important than whether it leads to more fun. I've never had players complain about a shortcut, especially if the alternative means spending hours of real time wandering around to find the adventure. Fourth, do not waste time with decision paralysis. I give a convention group five minutes or so to discuss. If they have not reached a decision by then, I point to a random player. 
or the person who has had the least spotlight, and that person makes the decision for everybody. I like it. Bam, bam, bam. Fifth, provide a mapping mechanism for location-based adventures so players do not spend time wandering in circles. I made a gigantic laminated map for Isle of Dread that the players could write on with dry erase markers. For Lost City, we used a pad of big checkered paper, and I let the players map with generous help from me. We then posted maps of the various levels on a nearby wall as they descended further into the dungeon. Finally, feel free to make slight modifications that are in the spirit of the mod, but lead to better play. Most old school mods allow for this flexibility. The only time anyone ever complained about one of my modifications was an AL game. Just saying. <laughs> hey Shout out to AL. Hey-o. The pacing of these games could not have been better even if I had scripted the entire thing, and I credit that to my amazing players. My adult table for Isle of Dread made it to the central location and defeated the bad guys right before we had to wrap. My Lost City group accidentally allied with an evil cult, and after realizing this, they asked me to play tribute to the cult's leader, leading to an exciting confrontation. The Isle of Dread game I ran for kids ended when they rescued some Tanarone children from an encampment of evil humanoids. None of these groups explored more than half of the adventure, but everyone seemed to have a great time. If people are jonesing for more and your schedule allows, there's nothing wrong with running the rest off-grid. Hope that's helpful. Looking forward to seeing you guys at the con. Jason. Those are cool pointers, man. Thank you, Jason. Bam, 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 bam. I love one of the things that I, mean, I read this and listening to you say it is it's pacing. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. And Jason knows the adventures well enough where to cut, where to move, where to groove, how to change, you know, and keep things flowing. Right. So yeah. I think there's a level of familiarity with this. This is kind of what you and I talked about last time. Has a level of familiarity with it that allows him to do things on the fly that um, that help make this happen. He hasn't run Tomb of Horrors in a 3D setting yet, though. Not yet. Oh, you just magically appear over in this section of the Tomb of Horrors. <laughs> There's going to be so much paralysis analysis in that game. Oh, yeah. So Unless you get that one dude who's played it before. Oh, God, don't touch. Oh, Jesus, why'd you touch that? It's going to be fun. All right. Thank you, Jason. Very good stuff, man. All right. We got an email from Mithron of the Velvet Shade. Greetings, BNS. I want to thank you for this wonderful podcast, your insights into the various aspects of gaming, and not just to focus on one system or another is a delight to listen to. It often inspires new ideas for me to bring to my table and sometimes reminds me of things I used to do but I've gotten lazy about. Dude, that is super, super nice of you. Thank you very much. Thank you. In regards to art and gaming, you've gotten a lot of feedback writing at 10 degree with the majority of the comments. <clears throat> Excuse me. Although a particular art piece never inspired me to buy a game on its own, bad art has kept me away from a few. We'll have our favorite artists and pieces in mind with the chess series on the covers of Dragon Magazine by Ben Bovias. Those are awesome. Those are very, very good. I think another person who brought this to our attention, total aside here, was uh, Stefan Dragonspawn brought those up, I believe. Those are some beautiful art pieces. Anyway, Mithron continues. I was heavily into chess at the time to see these pieces come to life, battling it out on the board made the game much more exciting to play. 
Might have to be a separate topic, but there was no mention of all the comic strips that play a part in the artistic end of gaming. Knights of the Dinner Table, although not fantastic art, as Jolly himself would admit, is unparalleled in its storytelling. While such Dragon Magazine staples as Wormy, um, What's New with Phil and Dixie, Snarf Quest, and others brought both a lighter side to the game and exposed aspects that we all thought were unique to our tables, only to find that we all shared <laughs> that we're all shared in the cult of strange personalities and quirks. Both Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder have released full comic book series, bringing to life their own iconic characters, as have Shadowrun and others. We won't get into superhero games comics as they all have their own podcast. Thank you once again. Your joy listening to while I drive around town. I hope someday my, my schedule opens up to see you at one of the cons. David F. Balog, uh, Balog, sorry, Balog, thank you for the pronunciation, a.k.a. Mithron of the Velvet Shade. David, that's awesome, man. I think you were right. We did not talk about the the cartoon components of it or the, the comic aspects. Those are fun. I th- and there's a piece you called out in there, which I think is super cool, is, yeah, the joke. They're like, oh, my God, this is at my table. And you realized, wow, I'm sharing this. Oh, my God, this is funny to me with Thousands of other gamers, <laughs> we all shared the same weirdness um, of the of the hobby. So that that's a very cool point. So thank you for calling that out. Didn't even think about that as we talked about art and gaming. Very very cool. That's something that the eye of the beholder. They got Phil Foglio, do the Phil and Dixie stuff, and they never even asked Elmore about Snarf Quest. They had him. They had him. He could have asked him. Oh well. What are you gonna do? Moving on. Thanks, Mithron of the Velvet Shade. Absolutely. Mithron of the Velvet Shade. Zach Corbin. He comments on art and RPGs. Very interesting conversation, guys. Got me thinking about my own influences in history with RPG art. The first cover that I remember having my attention was the Elmore Redbox cover. I saw that iconic image and just about lost my adolescent mind. Brahms Dark Sun work, both the color and black and white stuff, has remained a favorite as well. I'm not sure if there is another artist so intrinsically connected to a campaign setting for me. I still want to play in that world all these years later. Mutant Year Zero and Shadowrun are some examples of non-TSR slash Watsy games with great great art direction that really convey what the game is about. On On a side note, how much do you all consider layout to contribute to the art of an RPG product? I think that... It straddles a middle ground between usability and art. For example, pics of a scene that relates to the rules topic, rules slash topic, being discussed in the text. Another great show, guys. It's the kind of content that keeps me coming back for more. Well, we did actually talk about that just recently. So, Zach, you might be an episode or two behind, but somebody else had written in and talked about White Wolf, how they had descriptive art that went with some of the text, like in the combat section of the uh, Werewolf book, especially. Yeah, that stuff is awesome. We mentioned it there. It's really, really cool. And I think you you hit a good point. If you have really good art, but really shitty layout, that doesn't help. Well, you know, because when when you're reading a chapter and you see art, you're expecting that art to be evocative of what's being discussed. Right. I want it to be connected in some way. Well, even the. I guess it's part of the layout is like the the borders of the pages and then mm-hmm. the numeration of the pages. Um, certain like if there's a break, if there's a like a, something that separates one area from the next. Here's an example. 
Imagine one of your books in Microsoft Word format. Oh, yeah. Make you want to oh, cry. Oh, my God. It may be easy to read, but sure wouldn't be <laughs> pleasurable. All right. And I was then, really, I was really happy with what we did with like the streets of Avalon. I'll, I'll toot my own horn there, horn there in that in that space. But the w- way we did the layout and the way it looked, we tried to like have little bits and things, and the way the sidebars are consistent and so forth. That's that's all critical. Yeah, I think there is a certain creative piece that goes into that. Whether you want to define that as art or not, I can imagine um, good layout artists, I guess would be maybe mm-hmm. what they're doing. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. Would, would really, yeah, they, they really make stuff pop. I wish I knew illustrator better. Or is one of the things really that actually, that, to that point, one of the things that actually pissed my group and I off quite a page maker. Yeah. I think, yeah. About the, um, when they did Vampire the Requiem, when Vampire came back after White Wolf blew up the world, they came back with Vampire Requiem and, and a lot of stuff. The font and colors they chose, we hated the font. Within it, the the it was so difficult to tell what letter was what. In oh. some cases, for us, we were just maybe we're a little grognardy approach, but just did not like the font. It just wasn't pleasing to read. As goofy as that is, that's that's a piece of the setting, right? Yeah. Or I shouldn't say the setting; it's a piece of the art, the presentation of the book, the whole thing. You're trying to make it this wonderful feast for your eyes, where you're getting data and being entertained while you're reading it. I, I mean. Ken Haidt has said this before, an RPG book serves, it is an instruction manual, it is supposed to be graphically pleasing, entertaining, it's a, it serves a thousand masters all in one page, and it's so hard to get it done right, or it'll sing. And the layout person who does that, it can really help. And help me out, Ken Haidt, why did he go with three columns? Oh, why, that's, why, that's, why that's, that's, I don't know why they do that. Ken, seriously, man, do yeah. you have like, talk to Simon, like what, I know yeah. you got pull. Yeah. I, I think, I think they hate people. Right. They hate <laughs> e-readers for sure. Oh, I know people who have actually like, they pick up the book and go, I can't, this is just so, oh yeah, yuck. I hope they re-release them. I remember the d d third edition when it came out with like the slight lines underneath everything. Remember that one? Yes. People hated that too. Yeah. Some of that shit is those choices in layout will turn you off. Yes. And it's a subtle art. Yes. That will hit you upside the head like a wet fish if it's done poorly. Wet or dry. Yeah. And either I way, either way, fish in the face, not so good. Uh, yeah. Nobody no, likes I, it. No one likes that. I don't like fish up beside my face. No. Especially no. when you're not expecting it. Right. And big fish, too. Yeah, yeah, like a big tuna, huge. Yeah. No. All right. <laughs> All right. Thanks, I man. Feel, I feel like tech. I want to go fishing. Yeah, I kind of do, actually. Let's go on Lake Get the fly rod out. All right, not, Zach, thanks. Do you know how to fly fish? Yeah, I'm not very good at it, but I like doing it. I don't I, That's That looks peaceful to me. It is, actually. It's, well, it's the, one of the very few things that is incredibly frustrating, takes a very long time to master, and I don't mind. Right, that's I honestly good. don't mind. It's yeah. like archery. I mean, yeah. is it easier to use a crossbow or a rifle or whatever? Yes. Even compound bow and long bow that I shoot, they're tough. Yeah. But sometimes, like, oh, I tweaked my wrist at the wrong time, just shortly after the release. Yeah, that's why the arrow went out in the cornfield. Son of a gun. You know, there's something fun about that. Anyway. So, so if you fly fish and you <laughs> <laughs> we'll start this new podcast. And actually, if you're into fly fishing, I strongly suggest uh, April Volke's um, fly fishing podcast on uh, the meat eater. 
go over there. Don't anyway. say we didn't provide any value this episode. Uh, exactly. All right, Matt V comments on genre blending. Mm-hmm. All my favorite settings are genre blends. Oh, boy, he's going to go into a list. Ready? Hold on. Well, the thing that we're going to find out, I'll bet you, is a bunch of these the same ones we like. Anyway, yeah. keep going, keep going. Deadlands. Horror, Western, fantasy, steampunk, alternative history. Check. Shadowrun. Fantasy, cyberpunk, alternative history. Check again. Fallout. A Adam Punk, post-apocalyptic, alternative history. Oh, I should have bought that one. Dark Sun, Athos. Post-apocalyptic, high fantasy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I also enjoy, though not my favorites, Bioshock, Biopunk and Diesel Punk Alternative History. I'm seeing a theme here. Alternative History. Spelljammer, Steampunk, High Fantasy Space Opera. I know mechanically it sucks, but I love the setting. Riffs. <laughs> uh, everything. <laughs> it does. It totally does. <laughs> Everything's in there. Vampires, mega, mega damage. It's got it all. Mega damage. Deadlands, Hell on Earth, Futuristic Fantasy Horror, Mm -hmm. Knight's Black Agents, Spy Vampire Thriller. There you go. My exception settings are Elder Scrolls, Fantasy, Eberron, although that one's somewhat arguable. Somewhat? Matt, that's totally a mashup, dude. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Uh, It has trains? Yeah... Moving okay. on. More hammer, also somewhat arguable. Lots of tech here. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. My homebrew setting I ran in for a long time was a steampunk post-apocalyptic fantasy. Now I'm too lazy and busy adulting to keep up with that much work. <laughs> so all in all, I'm in the genre blending makes great settings camp. Nearly everything I'm going to be really excited about will fall somewhere on that spectrum. I think the biggest thing that Sean and I took away from our discussion on that was it's totally fine as long as it's up front and everyone understands it. Right? I think when people go, huh, is when you got chocolate in my peanut butter happens and they go, I'm allergic to peanut butter, you dick. Or, <laughs> or something like that. But it's when, oh, Barrier Peaks, I had no idea I was going to do this. This was Greyhawk. It was D&D for six months and now there's spaceships. The shock... Spoilers! The shock can kill you. Good stuff, though, man. Thank you very much. And I think you're correct, Matt V. A lot of some of the coolest settings and fun stuff we have when we think about it, it's it's blending stuff together. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. All right. Corey Welch got back to us about Jerry Steffek's Memorial Gaming Event. The Jerry Steffek Memorial Crawl for the Cure. We'll have a link in the show notes. It's crawlforthecure.net. On December 2018, the gaming community tragically lost a good friend, Jerry Steffek. Lost Jerry to cancer. Jerry was an avid gamer, history buff, reenactor, and father. Uh, His love of his friends and hobbies were always evident in his words and actions. Jerry's friends in the Midwest would like to do some good works in his name and raise money for cancer research and patient assistance. Enter the Crawl for the Cure at Game Hole 7. Hell yeah. Friday, November 1st. That's right, that's right. Friday, November 1st, 2019, from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m., we're running Dave Beatty's awesome Carnival of the Damned, zero-level funnel, tournament style to raise loot. All proceeds going to the American Cancer Society. Eight seats at the table with zero-level characters. Your donation of $4 gives you a collectible pass to join the fun whenever there's a spot at the table. The judge will be there. There's a steady flow of souls into the beyond. 
Become a king or queen of the carnival by running your zero level against the chaos within the carnival. Players' characters with the most survived encounters win one of the awesome prizes, the Goodman Games Foil Egyptian Lich Cover Rulebook. That's a damn good-looking book, folks. An original piece of artwork from the Carnival of the Damned, signed copies of the masterpiece by Dave Beatty of Stiff Whiskers Press, and a John Marr signed Sunken City Omnibus from Purple Sorcerer Games. Getting patient? In line? Need a fix? Maybe allowing you to survive the next bloody encounter? Make an offering to the cause and barter with the judge to create some havoc for, to save your bacon. Your charity dollars will become incredible stories for years to come. Have some time between games? Come out and help shape the ruin. <laughs> Can't make game whole? We'll be streaming the event on Twitch TV, DCC Mayhem Channel, and taking your donations online so you too can put your mark on the carnival. Goodman Games and Purple Sorcerer Games will be providing PDFs of their excellent adventures to raffle hourly to lucky donors. See the full prize list on the website. Will you be a game whole con seven? Would you like to donate an hour of volunteer time to, to a great cause? We'd love to have some help seating players, coordinating donations for the game effects. If you'd like to collect some good karma for a great cause, please contact us. Thank you. So help us celebrate Jerry Steffick's love for gaming. Do some good in his name. Visit us at crawlforthecure.net for more details. Questions? You'd like to help us donate an hour to our honorable campaign? You can contact Jerry Scrawl for the Cure at gmail.com. We'll have all this in our show notes, folks. Thank you all. And on behalf of uh, all the friends of Jerry and everything, we'd like look forward to spreading the good, uh, spreading the good and awesomeness at Gamehole Con Seven. And uh, Corey Welch, man, this is this is awesome. And kudos to you for helping to pull this all together and uh job well done i hope we can hope we can do some good here so very cool stuff yeah thanks thanks for doing that Corey. i'm gonna think of something for that too so yeah we'll you gotta do something yeah 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 so make sure you uh check that out good fun and for a good cause voicemail uh next for um dm kojo Lay it on me, Kojo. Hey, guys. Kojo here. Hey, I heard your next episodes about character sheets, and I didn't know if I was getting this in on time, but just wanted to give a shout-out for a few character sheets that I really enjoy. For me, a great character sheet is one that uh, helps you understand how to run your character. Um, that can be very useful. The newer uh, Mothership sci-fi RPG has a great character sheet that walks you through character creation and all your derived statistics and things like that. Really like that one that they've got. Dungeon Crawl Classics has got some character sheets out there that uh, are character class specific, so has specific details in the space for your special abilities depending on which class you're playing. If you use the purplesaucer.com website, you can get those pre-generated characters out of that if you want. And it puts all that information in there as well. So a couple of character sheets I really enjoy there. Uh, I've always liked the uh, Fantasy Flight Star Wars character sheets as well. Uh, their layout, I think, is, is great. And the way you keep track of your skill levels, I think, works really well. And uh, shout out old school to the old FASA Star Trek. Uh, loved that uh, life path kind of generation system where you walked your character through the uh, different phases of their career and modified your skills and improved your skills as you went. So I always love that character sheet as well. 
Uh, I don't know if it was that much of functionality or just uh, nostalgia for the character creation system, but uh, I did like that one too. All right. Keep up the great work, guys. Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks for uh, calling in, Kojo. Very good points. And Boy, damn timely. That Star Trek uh, FASA, man, I played the snot out of that game when I was younger, and it's been a while since I've looked at the character sheet. Very cool. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, we should probably go into the main topic. Yeah, what the hell? That was a good segue. Thank you. What are we talking about, Brett? We're going to talk about <laughs> character sheets. Judge Brandon wrote in and gave us this one. Um, I'm not sure if you've talked about it in the past, but I think the topic of character sheets would be a good subject. As the designer and long-time gamer, very interested when I started, we all used graph paper to make characters, but now there's so many options from business card size play sheets for games like DCC, huge folios with spaces for everything you can think of. I tend towards a more minimalist approach usually, but I've seen some more complicated sheets that also appeal to me. The sheet for Mothership RPG that shows you how to make a character is pretty cool. Also, um, do you guys write the modifier or the stat larger when the box sizes are different? This causes many debates in my groups. So I'll tell you, man. One of the things that I um, I just saw this, Tim DeShane posted this up on Twitter. He was running a 5e game. And the character sheet was giving the new players, he was playing with new players, some trouble. Because you're having a hard time tracking what modified what. And I think it's interesting when you look at character sheets, many of us old hands, we look, ah, yes. So yeah, the strength plus the stat. Oh, it's one of those. Okay, off we go. Roll the die. Done, done, and done. But if a character sheet is done really well, you have less looking up in the book. It's gameplay is faster, right? If it shows you where things are, the modifiers are clearly identified, all that stuff. A character sheet can be this wonderful tool to help you make decisions at the table. Even if you don't have, even if you're playing really old school without a huge list of skills and so forth, a good character sheet helps tell you what you can do, Right. I think there's there's some serious power in having a well-designed character sheet. You're with me? Brett, we call that UI slash UX. Yeah, see, I'm infrastructure. I want a hard copy of something. <laughs> that's a user interface and user experience. Yeah, that's that, that that's application talk. I don't that's what? that's 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 so that when you get engineers designing the interface of something and you go, ooh, this is really ridiculous. I can't navigate or find what I need. Yeah, dude. Most of the people work for me like Unix Linux guys, so they're looking at yeah. they're like, can, can, can I just have a green screen? Can I <laughs> command line? A command line. Yeah. But again, that's old school, right? Joking. Mm. Jokes aside, even my uh, better Cisco guys are still using GUI and, and stuff now. But yeah, which is kind of poo-poo because it is. Bring on the Cisco iOS man. But anyway, line. talking shop here. What are we doing, <laughs> Sean? Do you do you have a fair a favorite character sheet? Like, hey, uh, I played X game and I really liked this character sheet. If you, you if you thought of that, Brett, I, like the- I knew, I knew you were going to ask me that question. Did you? I do. I Did- knew you were going to ask me that question. So, do you have an answer, or is the answer it depends? You know, well. <laughs> You know, it has to depend because I don't know what game I'm playing. Okay, but seriously, though, do you have like, hey, when I'm playing D&D, I like this version of the character sheet. I like the Star Wars character sheet, like Kojo said. Is there one that you're like, hey, that's a really cool sheet. I always like it. 
filling I have, it out. I do have uh, kind of yeah, I, I, part of it may be just plain old nostalgia, but I do like the old yellow AD&D character sheets. Yeah. I, think I don't Di- know why. Dyson Logos, I th- believe, did a, I got to find a link to it, a 5e version of those. Well, I've used the 5e version, and I don't know if Dyson did it or not, but I found it on Reddit. Yeah, I found it on Dyson's website. Okay. But anyway, point is, it's like three, four pages. It's a folio. Yeah, you print you, the whole thing out. It's pretty a, fucking cool. You gotta print it on yellow paper. Oh, you do. It is so cool. It's I really, have it's not. wicked cool. I have not. I've printed it on white paper. It's wicked cool. But it's cool. Um at so for those of you that don't know what we're referencing, and for those of you that are like, I know what it is, of course. Okay. Um, when you bought the character sheets for first edition Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, and they came out with the Earl or was it the Earl Otis? Like the characters on the front, yeah. But all of them, even the basic, even the, I shouldn't say basic, but your your D and D versus AD and D, they're all they're all printed on this wonderful, impossible to photocopy color. Well, so there were ones that were green. Yes, try to photocopy that son of a gun. But, you get a flat black character sheet, no matter how good a Xerox machine you had. But the gold ones, the way they were done is they had a character sheet for each different class, Class, although they lumped a couple together, like Illusionist Magic user were together. Mm-hmm. I think Druid, Druid and cleric. Ranger. Druid Ranger or Druid, something like that. Yeah, Druid Cleric or Druid Ranger. Yep. And then you'd have Fighter, Paladin. So you say you like those. Is it pure nostalgia or did you like the amount of data on it? Because I know to, go, to talk to like what Judge Brandon is talking about here. Some minimalist is kind of cool, right. right? Yeah, like basic, like yeah. Not- but I mean, there used to be on the first edition character sheet, like there was on the bottom of the like back page was was your character's will. I yeah. Ragnar the Mighty leave all my belongings to, and we would always put my next player character. Yeah, of course, because <laughs> that's how you. That was the only way because it was legit. It was on the card. That's right. But did you like those because are you just thinking with a nostalgia candle burning brightly or when you think about character sheets that have been the most effective to you, do you like your character sheet? You know, if you're going to play a game, regardless of what it is, you want a shit ton of data on it. Do you want it pared down to bare bones basic? What do you like? Well, the criteria mm-hmm. is it varies, but I think there is a basic you got to f- be able to find out what you got to find stuff on your sheet that is pertinent to what you're dealing with. So if you are a caster in a fantasy game and you have spells that are at your disposal, I want to be able to find my spells and I want to be able to find out if there's a save, what the save is or what the DC is for the 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 opponent, whatever that is. Got so it's it. got to be easily navigated and easily referenced. So from a rules perspective, you want to make sure that how much of a thing do I get? What number do I have to roll to obtain a thing, right? So static numbers, things that the game master mechanically is going to want from me or that I want to be able to implement, right? So if I have a bonus to hit with this longsword. I want a list there that says this longsword has a plus five to hit and plus two on damage or whatever. I want that carved out right there. And and I've run into so many character sheets that don't. They're they're like, oh, you've got a modifier for strength. You've got a modifier for magic. And then you've got 
and then that's like it. But yeah, then they, they don't run the calculus for you. They no. expect you to add it every time you swing your sword, which is fine. I don't have uh, a problem necessarily with that. Although I do like the this box is a one. This box has a little then it has a little plus, And then the next box has a two. And then the next box has a three. But typically you'll have a feat mm-hmm. that modifies that even further. And mm-hmm. then you've got this weird scratchy in onto the side thing that kind of pisses me off. And then I got to remember like. Okay, that's oh, I gotta take into consideration that feet or whatever. Well, the cool things about like your old school ones is if you had a longsword, it was plus one, plus two against fire creatures. You wrote right. down this is plus one, plus two versus fire creatures, and you knew it's a sword, so it's strength plus this die roll plus that thing, and that's it. Right. Math was pretty simple. Yeah. No feats, no other pieces. Right. Agreed. And now that some of the game systems, the more more modifiers and the more changes, enhancements, or dehancements. <laughs> if you're knocking the, you have to be able to track all that stuff and to be able to have it quickly, readily available to you. So, this sword or this action I want to take, boom, I know what I have to add to my die roll or whatever. But going back to your question, Brex, uh, I never yeah. answered your question. I didn't, my bad. Sorry. I uh, I liked them probably more for nostalgia purposes, and but although although I did kind of uh, appreciate the the layout because it would have a combat section. Yes, right. It had and under the combat section had the weapon, and then it had I think weapon speed. It had hit points, armor class. I think it had move. Yeah. Right, the little boot. Yep. It, and so then you had the saving throws in one area, and then you had the abilities in another area, and then you had some other things. But and then the thieves' abilities would be in another area. Mm-hmm. So there's, I think, many group, many character sheets group things appropriately. But I, I, if I were more illustrator savvy, I think I would be able to put together some character sheets that would be quite cool and but the tricky thing is you like i would be like okay i'm gonna put all these notes in there and there are gonna be these references and everybody will be able to really use this and it'll be super awesome and then somebody will get in and say ah there's too much info there's too much stuff so one of the things that was interesting that i liked so i'm gonna gonna throw a few things out and they'll come back at it so i actually like from a character sheet perspective i like the old world of darkness character sheets it was one page Sometimes you get a two, three if you bought, if you get all the extra one. But the, the actual page itself, across the bottom, it said, when you make your character, you have seven points here, primary, like nine nine dots, seven dots, three dots. You had a primary, second, and tertiary. It told you how to make the character on the sheet. Now, you had to look up certain things. Look like, oh, which merits or flaws do I choose? What powers do I have? But it told you on the sheet how to make him. You were coloring in dots. It told you what to do. You chose them. When you had to roll something, it was... Dexterity plus or strength plus brawl, um, dexterity plus melee, whatever it was. You looked at the two dots, you grabbed that handful of dice, and you rolled. It was very, very simple. Many of the players that I had at the time, whether you liked the mechanic or not, it was a D10 die pool. Give me a willpower roll. Fuck, I got four willpower. Pick up the dice and go. You looked at that sheet, and that's what you needed. The referencing we did to the book was I have a power written down here that's a thaumaturgy Level five, I have this power. Fuck, what does that do? She had to look up that power. If I had, you know, excuse me, flesh to stone, flesh of marble, or I had meld with stone or gaseous form, whatever. 
That you'd have to look up to get noodly. But otherwise, the day-to-day stuff, I want to climb that fence. Dex plus this, strength plus that. Done. Move on. What's the difficulty? Difficulty seven. Clack, 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 clack. Got, I got four sevens. Good. You're over the wall or whatever the case was. I want to shoot somebody. Dexterity. Firearms. Done. How much damage does that do? Roll that. Boom. That's, your, that's it. The character sheet had that on it. It was very simple. And I love that aspect of it. And that was actually one of the things that allowed me to play quickly. Because someone would say, how do I do that? And anyone at the table could say, add those two things. And very rapidly, the players would say, what do I add? What two things equal this driving? Dex plus drive. Thank you. Oh, geez. I'm, I'm trying to do some research in this library. Um, give me a uh, wits plus a cult. Oh, cool. I'll do that. Yeah. Let me see your character. Yeah, this makes sense. Let's let's add those two together. You know, it was very easy to manipulate. I also really liked Middle Earth role playing in the role master system. One of the reasons being is that you had the Middle Earth one anyway. You had these little boxes you checked. You would get a 5% for each box. So if you had five boxes in two-handed halberds or whatever you have, have it'd be 5, 10, 15. That goes here. That equals 15. My strength modifier goes here. You just add it across. And then the far right-hand side, it said 50%. That was it. Or your total modifier was very straight across the thing. You just look down. Anytime you made a change, ratchet across. Easy math. Very, very right there on the sheet. Now, I think, I mean, and Rollmaster is not simple by any, by any means. And I think if games like... 5e or pathfinder had a similar approach where like look just line this shit out it might work better i don't know i i would have to take a look at that i also really like the dungeons and dragons like you said the old green sheet your bx type sheet it's two pages i'm looking at it right now player's name character name alignment class level armor class hit points character sketch or symbol up in the upper right hand corner dungeon master name your saving throws abilities adjustments Special abilities and a to-hit chart on the front. 90% of what you're going to do is right there. The second page, magic items, normal items, notes, money, treasure, experience, and what, how much you need for next level. That's it. There were no skills, right? Nothing to really map across and no need to do that. So when you look at that sheet, like, what can I do? I want to um, try to lift that boulder. Can I use my strength to lift the boulder? I'm really strong. Yes, Says, you know, Tim DeShane, you're the game master. Yes, yep, yep, says Tim. Give me a roll, add that, sounds good. Get a 15 or higher. Boom, you, you picked it up and moved. There's something really cool about that. Having a game where the character sheet contains so much power in the ability to just make the game move without having to look up every bloody feat or movement rule or blah, 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 blah. Especially for theater of mind stuff. And I, I tell you, one of the nicer things about those as well to me sean do you remember making your own character sheets because you didn't want to buy yep. them yep i honestly think i don't know if it's just me i don't do that anymore and i don't know if it's because the games i'm playing when you said that about if, if you had better photoshop skills or layout skill i wonder if we should if that's a skill set that gamers don't have or we think oh i can't do it because it's not pretty enough oh i can't do it because it's not I could go out and find Dyson Logos sheet. I could go find this other person sheet. I should just go look for a cool character sheet. <clears throat> At the end of the day, the character sheet needs to have everything that you as a player need to have to be effective, right? 
Oh, well, that'd be the goal. So I would say... Although I know a lot of people that can't navigate a character sheet to save their lives. <laughs> I believe, honestly, that the more... When I built my own character sheets, I learned a shit ton more about the game than I than I did otherwise. Because you had to yeah. build it. It's like, do you respect, do you respect your vehicle? Well, oh, yeah. You ever change your own oil? Well, I mean, no. Do you check your air pressure? Well, I just... You know, <clears throat> if you learn how to take something apart and build it, you tend to have more respect for it. Anyway, that's just what you said there got me thinking. I love the the simplicity of some of those. And I just, I I wonder if I should start making my own character sheets. Even if they're not pretty, as long as they're effective for me. And someone goes, God, that's an ugly looking sheet. You know, go to hell. I don't, <laughs> it helps me run my character. I mean, what, what do you care? If you build your sheet in Excel, and that's the easiest way for you to do the math, because you can just, you run the macros, ding, I had these things, that's my bonus right there. Maybe that's maybe that's the way for you to do it in five E. If that helps you get everything loaded up or Pathfinder or whatever. Well, shit in Pathfinder, just buy a, a lone wolf system because you won't be able to make a character quote unquote properly without it. But anyway, sorry, totally tangented off there, but yeah. Anyway, do you think? What do you think? Are you going to go make a character sheet? Do you think you should do that? I've been. Well, you mentioned that now. In my head. Now I'm kind of fixated on it, but. I would like to. I have a, a an iPad with the iPen, sill. Oh, nice. And I have a uh, I have a app that would be probably if I learned it well enough. Right, it'd be really easy to come up with a sheet that would be pretty cool. Like you can draw shapes and mm-hmm. it would be pretty decent. Um, it's actually used for sketching. And then, and then when they sent, when, if you're on their email list, they'll actually show you like, Hey, how to design things or how nice. to use it to do this or how to use it to do that from anything from literally art sketches to designs. Like, so, and I could, uh, maybe I'll put a link in the show notes. I think it's concepts if I'm not mistaken. Anyways, I do, I do think that there is a fine balance between aesthetics and art because i think there was one character sheet that we aesthetics put in, and art or aesthetics and usability you're talking about usability yes i meant i didn't finish my thought aesthetics art and the usability piece it. of it yeah, and the mechanics it. yeah and there was one character sheet that we had put in die roll a while ago where it was really cool like it was cool like oh the, yeah, yeah yeah the abilities kind of went in a half circle and then the the whole kind of sheet was made up of a character sketch yeah, yeah. Tony DiTerlizzi had a series of uh, D&D character sheets ages back that I remember downloading because he had them up for free on his website. And they were just so cool looking. Yeah, yeah. I think there is a a piece of our hobby that could be really something else. Now, on the flip side, I've seen, I mean, I've gone to Gary Khan and Tom, uh, I forgot Tom's last name. He used to be on Google+, Plus, but he came and showed up at the table. I think it was Jen Brinkman's game, actually, where I met him. Um DCC character, zero level character mm-hmm. on the size uh, character sheet of a business card. Yeah, you could totally do that. The whole character on one side of the business card. I think it was one side. But yeah, talk about minimalistic. Yeah. There's something cool about that from a, and I could see, wow, that was neat at a con. I wouldn't want to play a D- DCC campaign like that. No. Personally. But I'll tell you one of the things that DCC brought, <clears throat> see me brought back with, well, because their class uh, class is race, right? So you have a cleric, dwarf, elf, halfling, thief, warrior, and wizard. 
they each have their own character sheet. Hmm. And I think that is, that's really kind of cool because my buddy Nick does this. Every time I, I run a game, he gets the standard character sheet. He makes his character. He plays a session or two. And then by second or third session, he shows up with a custom character sheet because he's like, okay, I understand the game system now. I know what we're, what roles we're calling for. understand what's supposed to happen here. So he rebuilds it. He loves doing this stuff in Photoshop or I can't remember what the hell tool he uses. But he cranks out a new one specifically for each character that he's running. So if he's running a sorceress and then the next one is a warrior, he doesn't just take it and use the same one. No, it's completely retooled every time. He builds a character sheet folio for each character. He loves doing it. And not only because he likes the, the aesthetic, the creation of it and the art that he can put into it, but he likes to, to have it because it helps him track all the PC rules he needs, the stuff he knows. I'm a sorcerer. I need to know where my DC is. I need this. I need this. I need this. Um, I want to have a decent tracking tool for, you know, what <clears throat> what's my next feat? So he'll, if we're playing, when we're playing Pathfinder, he built the, I want to know this stuff. So I'm writing this shit down. And I find his character, she's like, man, that's a lot of crap. Holy cow, man, really? You need all that stuff? And he's like, no, it just helps. It helps me focus and helps give everything I need right where I want it. And I think I love some of the minimalist stuff. But I tell you, as long as um, I think, like you said, there's that if you can get the balance, but wow, that's really cool. It's got gorgeous art and beautiful borders and scroll work and blah, blah, blah. I've seen some of the sheets and tried to play them. Like, wow, this doesn't have any any room. <laughs> I can't I can't write plus five on this line. That's, you know, because I don't I don't have the dot micron pencil <laughs> to write on this damn thing. It's too small. Gerps. 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 <laughs> that was my experience with one of the Gerps character sheets. Really? Yeah. There were like, it was just too, too much, too, too much on it. Too many things. Yeah. One of the other things that we didn't mention, which could, uh, could be tied to aesthetics is theme of the game. Yeah. So if I'm running an espionage game and I've got a character sheet that looks like an actual dossier, right? With a picture of, a, of the person and it goes into something you would rip out of an FBI file. Yeah, that's cool. You know, then it it also kind of has a sense of immersion. I think that would complement. It does, and that's the full one of package. And we've talked about you know your con game at home, and that's a piece of like wow, that'd be really cool for a con game. That would be really cool at home too, dude. And Carl, every- Ke- Carl Kiesler, man, oh, character Jesus. sheets on eight tracks. Yeah. For yeah. Savage Worlds, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for, or or the uh, the bubble pack cardboard pieces, yes, right. So what I'm talking about, Carl, um, I don't know if he listens to us or not, but he's uh, we I follow him and here and there, but he's a graphic artist by day. So it's, and he's actually done work for Pinnacle on the new Savage Worlds. I think he did the actual layout to the new rulebook. Okay, but Carl does set pieces. Um, and miniatures, but when he did his con game, which is Goonies meets the Ghostbusters, he actually took like the old Kenner Star Wars based kind of bubble, bubble packs, Mm -hmm. ripped off the, it would be like you ripped off the plastic and removed the miniature, but you, he used that cardboard as the character sheet, but he themed it as Ghostbuster or Goonie. 
It would have the character sheet, like a character name, as if you were buying the miniature in the store, right? Mm-hmm. So if it was Star Wars, it would say Darth Vader, you know, and then on the back would be all the stats. I like that. I remember seeing that. that yeah, was it was pretty cool. cool. Yeah, it was really, really cool. You know, another one that actually is your dungeon dungeon world and a lot of PBTA ones, your playbooks. Yes. One of the cool, th- I'm, not a, I'm not a PBTA like rule set guy. However, you look at the character sheet, right? It's got all the stuff. It has your starting moves, your alignment. Like, it's your alignment good. Endanger yourself to heal another. Okay, cool. It gives you, it's got a blurb in there. So help evil, harm another to prove superiority to your church or God. Okay, race, dwarf. You are one with stone. Okay, neat. It's got this stuff in it. Bonds, because that's that's integral to that game. Um, this, you know, the deity piece. I'm looking at this, the cleric sheet here, right? So it's got deity, divine guidance, commune, cast a spell. These are starting moves you have. You know, those playbooks, one of the things that people really like about um, PBTA games, at least that I've, the folks I've talked to, they love the playbooks because boom, I have this. this is everything I need to run my character. Everything's right freaking here. Done. I don't need to look up a lot. It's all right here. And I think that's some of the joy that people have with that system, at least when I've talked to folks about it, they love the fact that everything's right there and they can just play. They don't have to reference a book to look up. How many square feet does a fireball affect? Um, what's the range? Oh, wait, this is Rollmaster, so lightning bolt. Is that from my fingertip or from the eyeball to the what now? Yeah, it, It's just right there. And I think that's there's something really, again, really powerful about that. And the way that Dungeon World, especially, I'm looking at that character sheet right now, I, I like the way they've done that. I think that's pretty cool. There are electronic character sheets that offer a lot of interaction, um, which helps out with like Brad could, you know, if you've got the fireball spell selected, you could click on that and it could tell you the, the diameter radius, the saving throw. One of the main everything. reasons I like using roll 20 for online D and D games is because the character sheet input. Yeah. Cause it's there. I can say long sword click. It gives me die roll. gives me damage. Bam to bam to bam to bam. Adds my mods for me. does all that stuff in one go. That's pretty damn cool. So when you're playing online games, sometimes, um, I generally don't care if people roll the dice. They want to use electronic dice. It doesn't bother me. But if you're in a roll the dice at the table so everyone can see it, in your online gaming, having the character sheet there allows everything using that mechanism. Again, it's kind of all things entailed. It's all right there. That's pretty cool. Like that sheet is interactive enough. You click on it. Boom. It gives you results for the thing you're trying to accomplish, which is pretty freaking awesome. That's very cool. Character sheets are awesome. They are. I really, I honestly think more people should make them for themselves. Yeah. And you don't, you can make a gorgeous character sheet and someone's, oh, you should post that up. Do it if you want. But seriously, gamers out there, make some cool character sheets for yourself. If you know, for your game system, you might be like, wow, this sheet would be really cool if only it had X. If you've got the time, you can do it. It doesn't have to be gorgeous. It doesn't have to be pretty. It just needs to be functional for you. You know, my buddy Jeff. He writes. He creates his own booklets. Yeah, I've had I've had people do that. Yeah, puts his character sketch in there, sketches it all out, and he's always like, "Oh, I gotta show you. I gotta show you my new character, Sean." And it's not his character. It's the booklet. The little look at what I did. Look at this. That's look, cool, look, man. Look what I can do. Look what I can do. I'm like yeah, that's Amber great, Diceless. Yeah. Um, actually gives you points for doing that. 
Wow. Character build points. Sketching out characters, keeping notes, doing stuff like that. You get points <laughs> to build your character. Look at that. Build right yeah. into the mechanics of the game. Absolutely. But honestly, I think, Judge Brandon, to, to go back to your question, I think um, as long as the character sheet enables play, effective play, right? When the, If you think, when I say effective play, I think about uh, Mr. Deshane's latest complaint that he had around the the 5e group. They were having a hard time trying to figure certain things out. And I, I Tim's a hell of a game master. So it's not like Tim doesn't know what he's doing. Right. And I'm like, man, you know, and I told him, I said, next time I see him, if I don't see him at game hole, I'll see him at Gary Con. I want to ask him some more details. And I am wondering if it's one of those things where if, if a character sheet has a lot of options and things on it, it's not very clear. How do you make something very easy for the new player? Even if they're not a new gamer, but I am new to Sean and Brett's amazing spy game. How do I, on this character sheet, not just graphically, but how do I make it so that whoever's playing Sean and Brett's amazing new spy game looks at it and knows what they're supposed to do? So one of Sean and my constant complaints is, what do I roll to hit? Oh, for fuck's sake. Are you kidding me? We've been rolling the same thing. Well, there's a lot of action and, and a lot of different things happening. You're trying to grasp and handle all this stuff. And you look at the character sheet, and if it's not very clear, throw in the, one, in throw the place, D20 at their head and go roll this one. <laughs> roll this one. <laughs> this, you, is, this, you is the one you, this is the one you want to roll. Oh. Boom. Thwack. Oh, always with the hitting. <laughs> Do you want to do you want to play it where it lies? <laughs> <laughs> nice, classic, classic. Yeah, I, but your the the beginner boxes though, Brett, especially for Fantasy Flight Game Star Wars, the beginner mm -hmm. boxes are super awesome. That way, they they start out with the like, okay, your character, right? Here's mm -hmm. the sheet. They're pre gens, and then you know, here's how it works. And then you flip the page when you level up, and it'll tell you what happens how many yes. points you get and then where how to allocate those and how it increases the little bubbles or changes from green to yellow yeah that's awesome yeah it's they're good i remember um basic role play i'm looking at one of those character sheets they had um which was the is the engine behind like call cthulhu and such they uh, look at there was a basic role playing had a two-pager and they had like a note card size what had has your character's name Strength, con, size, intelligence, power, blah, blah, blah. And then skills, climb, first aid, hide, jump, listen, sneak, spot, hit, and throw. Weapons section, shield gear. It's it's like a note card. Super easy for a con game. Or even for just a group that like, look, I just need simple stuff, you know. I, th I think the simpler and easier to follow you can make the character sheet, the better off you're going to be. And honestly, sometimes I think the best way to do it is to make is to roll your own, you know, zip zap that sucker, zip zap that sucker, roll your own. So we've been talking for a while about it. So folks out there, if you have a character sheet you love, if you've got a game system you really like, but you're like, man, their character sheets suck. I would use this other one. There are some crappy character sheets out there. We didn't have time to get into some of that, but if people have something you love, you hate, or somebody out there is making amazing character sheets, tell us about it, and we'll be happy to point people in that direction. Yeah. Tell us about it. Let's move on, man. All right. All right. Got a few this week. Some are actually topic related. 
Nice. We'll start out with Mike Myler. Mike dropped us a line and a note about his upcoming Kickstarter. Mike, no need to come on the show, buddy. We will put the Kickstarter out there. It's coming in October 2019. He's been doing freelance for quite some time, and he's putting out Vast Kavia, which is a campaign setting of his. Um, we'll put a link to the website. You can sign up to get notified about the Kickstarter you might even hear him on a podcast or two. So check out Mike. Sweet. Second one, Mad Irishman Productions. I used to go to this site all the freaking time. And this thing is still out there and it's still got the character sheets out there. Uh-huh. So if you need a character sheet, probably a lot of older games. I don't even know if 5e's on there, but he hasn't let it die. And so I'm always a big fan of the Mad Irishman. I'm seeing Dungeon Dragons basic first, second, third, and fourth. I yeah, did not see a fifth. It's the stopped at fourth. Warhammer so, Fantasy, Wheel of Time, Torg. Yeah, he's got a few. Star Trek Lug, Star Trek Fassa, Star Frontier, Spycraft. Okay. Space 1889. Some of them represent official sheets and some are tweaked. So check that out. Then there is RPG Sheets. That also is a little dated because I don't think it has 5e, but there is a butt ton. And I think they're all kind of official sheets, actually, at RPG sheets. I could be mistaken, but, you know, if there's a game out there that was released, I don't know, seven years ago and earlier, they're probably, they've got a probably character sheet on that website. And uh, go out to Dyson Logos. He's got cool sheets and links to other people who are making stuff, too. So I'm sure Brett will put that in the die roll. I probably will do that. Yeah. You know what? I'm a solid guy. I'll do that. I'll do there that right you, now. There you go. There's other resources that if you want a sheet for a particular game, you can usually go to that publisher's website and you can get that and download it and you'll be fine. But those are some of the sites that we just generically, you could pick from a variety of different um, systems and games and download from there. Um, and then we'll have a link in the show notes for Jerry St- uh, Stefix Memorial Game by Corey Welch. So you can get more information on that if you want to volunteer or help out um, and where to find all that information. So I think that is it, right? Yeah, Brett? I think we're good, man. Oh, my gosh. Uh, what are we talking about next week, Brett? So next week I want to talk about... Um, I, I jokingly call why so serious the, the old Joker um, comment, but RPGs can be some pretty serious stuff, right? And I just want to talk about like the overall impact and so forth, and how how impressive RPGs are. And this actually stems from a note that um, someone had dropped to to Sean I a while back, kind of hit us pretty pretty important kind of stuff. And I just want to talk about that a little bit. So I think it'd be not overly heavy and crazy, but I think something something worth talking about. I mean. This is gaming and BS. I mean, how serious are we going to get about serious RPGs? About being serious I, I think about we, RPGs? I, we just, I, what I just said is probably as serious as we'll get. Probably. <laughs> we'll see what we can do with it. Well, excellent. Well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Yes, thank you all. We didn't mention the review we got. No, we did get a um, did get a three star. Um, <laughs> we did get a three star. It was very it's nice. Not, it, was it was very nice. The the biggest yes. problem was is that um, Brett has a potty mouth sometimes, and I, <laughs> the person I, said that there was a co-host that swore too much. That would be that be and, me. And they literally said, "I won't mention which co-host. You be the judge." 
Yeah, that would be me. <laughs> so I know me. I've seen me do it. So, but they said, you know, they were willing to come back and listen again. And they knew we were explicit. Mm-hmm. They knew, but they they said, you know, but the thing is, they're not Howard Stern. They're an RPG podcast and they listen with their kids. So it was no. good, to, good to know. That's no, good. It is good. It is good. It's a little, it's a little strange. The only reason it's a little strange for me is because we are explicit. Mm-hmm. We don't say it at the beginning of the show, but I put it out on Twitter and said, "Hey, maybe we maybe we should put the beep machine in." And uh, we were um, a lot of soundly beep- said no. Don't a you? A lot dare. of people said no, no, don't, no, don't no. Don't you dare beep anything. They like Brett dropping f bombs. Hey, they appreciate. They appreciate it. They appreciate. Yeah, you know, and, and who the fuck are we <laughs> to not not give our <laughs> listeners what they want? There we go. No, seriously, I. Uh, <laughs> I think I wanted to think I was getting better at it. I th- and insofar as I think I'd passed, I think I'd toned it back. Sometimes when I get excited, it's a habit and it's not a good habit. Yeah. Um, and it's a habit. When I get excited, it gets worse. If it was a problem, like if it was a problem with me, and, I would have heard. And Brad having that, that would be a problem. I would have told Brett, like, hey, man, you need to tone that. You tone that shit down. <laughs> but uh, so anyways, it but, just it was interesting. If somebody I don't if they come back and they listen to this episode and they're like, oh, my God, they're talking about me. You know, we I I took it very much in stride. It was no, a very, absolutely. And it was a constructive review. Yeah, it was. It was so, nice. They didn't say, wow, these guys are a pack of jerks. And right. one of them's a foul mouth jerk. And, and it blah, wasn't Mud Skipper. It wasn't Mud Skipper. He it hates was us. not Mud Skipper. But honestly. Our goal is not to offend anybody or hurt anybody's feelings. So, but we do get, we've had other people say, Hey, I got kids. Yeah, we we are a blue sometimes, a little bluey. So, bluey, bluey. Is that what it's called? Blue. Yeah, working blue. We work a little blue. (laughs) Is that what? I didn't know that was a term. Yeah, working blue. It's an old uh, comedy thing. Working blue. Yeah, working blue. Huh. Now I learned something. Oh, see, there you go. Huh. Okay. Well, hey. So anyways, we're going to keep on keeping on. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, I'm your one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all. Yeah, good night and good game and all. God damn it. Yeah. This episode of Gaming NBS brought to you with the help from the following BSers. Graham Miner, Corey Wynn, Hawk Sparrow, Larry Hout, Mark Tasaka. Pure Mongrel, Chris Steele, Ron Bishop, Thomas Hook, Wayne Humphrey, Craig, Laramie Wall, Dan LaValle, Jason Hobbs, Sky, Roger Braslett, John Hammersley, Old School DM, Perry Besor, Michael Dinos, Jim Fitzpatrick, Christopher Gray, Bruce Cunnington, John Kayward, Corey Gonzalez, Eileen Barnes, Robert Nemeth, Niall Diamond, Angus Howard Bishop, Stephen Dragonspawn, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Eric Salzwedel, Trevor Davis, The Closet Gamer, Jeff Goad, Aaron Coleman, Ray Otis, C.W. Mellencamp, Craig Huber, Rich Wishon, Old Scoozer Roleplaying, Jared Rasher, Andy Hall, David Baylog, Harrigan, Chad Glayman, Finnell, Marco Froelich, Lord Tentacle, Joe Swick, Curtis Takahashi, Josh Wallace, Kevin Lovecraft, Andy Olson, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Jeff Seifert, and Aaron Ralia. Did you know that if you sign up at the $1 level at our Patreon at GamingNBS.com forward slash Patreon, 
that you get everything early to include the episode, head on over to that web address and consider chipping in a buck. Thanks, BSers! This, this has, has been, been a Litterbox, Litterbox Studio, Studio production. production.